is the Go Blue Crew. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to episode 129 of the Go Blue Crew. I'm Tyler Fenwick, joined by Derek Devine. If you were listening last week, I did not remember the episode number, but uh, I paid extra close attention today, and it's definitely 129. And so, obviously, uh, what are we at? 21 until 150? What should we do at 150? Something special. I mean, I'm trying to decide when we'll hit that because we... You know, we're coming off of a period where I feel like we either would record once every three weeks or once every full moon. I mean, I don't I don't know <laughs> that we have been very consistent. I think our plan is to be more consistent moving forward. I mean, once the Big Ten schedule was announced, obviously we talked about the importance of that. We've talked about players opting in, opting out, and now we can talk about the schedule today. So, yeah, I mean, 150? I think we need some time to brainstorm. Maybe around the 135, 140 mark, we come up with an idea. Okay. It's it's kind of out of our control, too. It is. Very much so. I mean, it's not like we just get lazy. It's just eventually, if nothing's happening, you run out of things to talk about. And I don't want to just fill the void with useless content, you know? That's not me. That's not us. That's not the Go Blue crew. You're right. We, we stay true to our... To our longtime listener, loyal fans. Um, this is the third Michigan schedule. Keep that in mind as as we as we talk about how certain and uncertain things are. I think I thought you brought up a good point before we started here. This is the third schedule. Easy to forget that. Um, but it looks like one of the tougher ones, definitely. But I think more than anything, it's just awesome to have a schedule to look at, something concrete, even though you know the first one was scrapped and then we had a redo that was scrapped also. It's just nice to have something to look at, right? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's more, I guess, I guess when I look at the schedule, we had kind of talked about this. Uh, we had talked about whether or not they'll keep the, the, the Michigan State being in Ann Arbor to kind of fix that schedule bug, uh, which they did. I'm sure we'll touch on that. But there, there were enough differences for me that I think it was actually more exciting than I had anticipated. Um, another one being, and again, we'll touch on this, Ohio State to end the year. I think in the 10-game the schedule, I think it was, um, Ohio State was somewhere near the middle or middle end. Yeah, in like um, October, I think. Yeah, like it was, it was going to be an October game. Uh, even when it was being announced, and announced in a very odd manner. I mean, they were really trying to, to draw it out on on Fox uh, Big Noon Kickoff or whatever they, they call it. I think ESPN got some exclusive dates, like the, the Wisconsin-Michigan game, uh, to leak a little bit early. But, yeah, I mean, there's quite a bit of hype, I guess, Saturday morning around the schedule. And it was maybe because of that or maybe just because there were enough changes. Um, pretty exciting. Uh, and, yeah, I would say according to you know, just looking at all of the schedules in the Big Ten, I would say Michigan did – uh, get one of the toughest draws in terms of an eight-game schedule. But if there was a season where you were going to take a tough draw, I'm sure you would prefer the one where no fans are allowed. And the only thing you really have to worry about from week to week is is travel because there's not going to be that enormous atmosphere um, at Ohio State, you know, and uh, they're not traveling to Penn State, but but some teams obviously are. And if you're going – you don't have to worry about the whiteout. That's not even on the table. 
even you know even with night games it's probably going to feel different but it's going to be nothing compared to some of the the home environments that these teams get and I think, you know, looking at like Michigan State, you probably, I mean, you probably prefer the way they fixed it if you're Michigan because you'd rather go to Ohio State with no fans and you'd rather host Michigan State, you know, if you're going to have to play one home, one on the road rather than the other way around because in a season with no fans, Ohio State's going to be a lot more hostile of an environment than Michigan State. So I think things... You know, obviously the schedule obviously could have been easier, but um, considering that that there are no fans and therefore no, presumably no real big home field advantage, I, th- I think it's not all that bad. Uh, kicks off October twenty fourth at Minnesota. Got Michigan State at home on Halloween. Uh, playing Wisconsin at home on November fourteenth hosting Penn State on November 28th and then traveling to Ohio State on the 12th. Those are the highlights. And then obviously playing that ninth game uh, against the 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 West Divisions. Um, uh, how do I phrase this? The, the, the similar finisher over there. I'm sure that's a terrible way to say that. But uh, unless Michigan wins at all, you know, in the East, I don't think we have reason to expect that. But uh, I, I there's... I just think that having having no fans is is not gonna is going to make this difficult schedule a little more manageable. Yeah, one of the things I noticed too, and you can see it in a couple of the other Big Ten schedules this year. But one thing I do like is how spread out it is, uh, which I'll touch on, and then also the fact that it's really every other all the way until I'm hosting two home games in a row before that last game at Ohio State. Um, so yeah, first things first, I like that at Minnesota to start the season, which uh, is still a month away um, exactly at the time that we're recording this. Um, I think that's a tough team to play on the road. Um, Obviously, maybe a little bit easier, like you said, because of lack of fans. But it's still, you know, leaving for the first time, probably for most of these guys, other than going back and forth to their homes, traveling for the first time, definitely traveling for the first time as a team. So I would say maybe advantage Minnesota um, to where you may even wake up in your own bed and head to the stadium. I know some teams stay in hotels. I don't know what that will look like. Um, Some home teams, I should say, stay in hotels even the night before games. So I don't know what that necessarily looks like. Uh, with the pandemic and such. But, yeah, I mean, that's obviously an advantage for Minnesota to not have to travel that first game. And I think it allows a tough challenge for Michigan. Um, I like that Michigan State's early, a rivalry. It should be lopsided again this year in favor of Michigan. But I like that that game's early in the schedule. Another challenge at Indiana and then a a big challenge against Wisconsin. And so if you look at that four-game stretch, and, yeah, you draw probably the two best teams from the other division. I think that is going to tell you a lot about Michigan, Um, but you're exactly right. I mean, this is a tough schedule, and again, I think one of the tougher ones out of all the Big Ten schedules. This is the year to do it. Um, It's going to feel, I guess, more neutral than ever before because of the lack of fans, Um, and I think those first four games will show us a lot, Um, and I think it will be nice to put those in the rear view mirror um, and kind of focus on like a, a team like at Rutgers. I mean, you get to travel and seems like what should be a sure W. Um, but I feel like that's almost a nice break. And, and hopefully by that time, five, six games into the season, 
um, you're feeling good when they host Penn State, when Michigan hosts Maryland, and then ultimately when when Michigan goes to Ohio State. Now, by December 12th, you might see some sort of fans. It's not going to be um, the, the near 100,000 or maybe even more um, that Ohio State can pack in there in Columbus. But, yeah, I mean, it'll be a better environment than, I guess, two years ago. Um, and advantage Michigan heading into next year, assuming fans are allowed because, yeah, you don't have to tr- travel to Columbus. And what many of us are hoping for is a normal college football season in 2021. Looking at Michigan State on Halloween, uh, this just got me thinking about the last time, at least off the top of my head, Michigan playing on Halloween against Minnesota. I believe it was Minnesota, right? Uh Gophers had the ball on like the one-yard line, ran some play with 100 different guys in motion, and and then tried to sneak it in and didn't get – anyway, I think that was Halloween night. It's got me a little spooked for Michigan State just because it's Michigan State, I guess. Like, you know, new coaching staff, and uh, they don't seem to have much figured out in East Lansing. But it hasn't stopped them before from at least giving Michigan a good run and – and heck, beating him, uh, you know, more times than you really care to remember. <laughs> I'm looking at Indiana as just another, once again this season, a, a team that's, like, going to test better teams. Indiana is not there at the top of the East, may never be there at the top of the East, but, of course, it's that team that just, it, it gives you fits, and I know that, that, that Tom Allen, I mean, he seems like a great fit there as head coach, and I think he's he's got his offense uh, pretty well set. And I, I love, I can't think of the dude's name off the top of my head now, but but I think they're 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 looking really good at quarterback uh, with the with the with that lefty. I wish I could remember his name, but I think that's that's just another this year is just another uh, we say trap game. And, of course, it doesn't matter much that you're traveling to Bloomington for it. But third week of the season, that's going to be a good test. Like, you got to have some stuff figured out there. And then, you know, you got to turn around and host Wisconsin. So host or or playing uh, the two top teams from the West in the first four weeks, I mean, that by itself is pretty daunting. Yeah, I mean, you look at Minnesota, I think that's a a great team, and they've proven to get better and better. And Rashad Bateman, I, I just I saw yesterday looking to opt back in. It's obviously a, a kind of complicated situation for anybody who wants to do that, but that's on the table at least. Yeah, uh, saw the same thing, and I mean, obviously a huge uh, player to gain back under that roster. One again, that's already very talented. Uh, Michigan State, again, uh, tough time for a new coach and new style of play, and uh, especially coming off a pandemic, I think it would probably be lopsided regardless. But you're right. I mean, the the team Minnesota played in Halloween that you're referencing. I think what I think that was Jim Harbaugh's first season. Um, that was not a great Minnesota team, and you know those things happen. Um, Indiana, I think, always, always, always a trap game every year, and ever since we've been doing the podcast during football seasons, we've always considered Indiana uh, a trap game and one that has always worried us a little bit. Um, when I look at Wisconsin, uh, a marquee matchup, obviously at the end of that really tough four-game stretch, they do have a lot to replace, especially at running back. And so I do think, though, that's always a tough 
team to face. It's nice to, again, be at home, even without the fans, and and maybe play a, a depleted Badgers team. Um, Rutgers, you could say that they're posed to improve every year, but that usually doesn't matter. It doesn't um, mean much anyway. <laughs> and, and Maryland, too, a team that, you know, has always seemed to have good games throughout seasons, but also have some very terrible ones. And so, yeah, I think overall, I mean, I, it's kind of hard to make a prediction a month out. I mean, I guess there's been years where we've probably made spring predictions for fall seasons, but with the unknown, maybe it's just a little bit more challenging. But I'm thinking that Michigan can can easily get six wins. Doesn't mean they, they will. Uh, I feel safe thinking they'll have five wins. Um, my thought is six wins, and that's not even factoring that ninth game they'll play against uh, whatever whatever opponent they may face during the championship weekend. But I see realistically um, winning six games. I think five is probably what what most people would be projecting as a sure thing. And you know, you could have a down year, and things might not work out, or some of these players. Uh, may stay opted out. More players may opt out. Some players may test positive. You never know what will happen. Uh, it's possible they go four and four, but I'm feeling pretty good about Michigan's chances with the schedule, uh, with the fact that some of these away environments aren't going to be as tough, um, and, and with the fact that you've got um, three matchups, um, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Penn State, always the important ones outside of Ohio State, um, all at home this year. I think that's obviously favorable as well. So at five and three, what I'm assuming here is losses to Penn State and Ohio State, and then either Wisconsin or Minnesota. Yeah, so I, in my head, I have, for my six wins, I, I think it's Minnesota and Ohio State. Um, and then, yeah, for, for that third third loss, five wins, I'd throw Penn State into the mix. Um, okay. And that, that could easily be flipped. Um, I guess maybe it's just me being hopeful that uh, a new quarterback, um, not named starter officially, but in Joe Milton, um, that he'll have you know those five games to really prepare. Uh, I mean that's five weeks of football um, if if people can stay safe, and I think that that gives him a good chance if he's as good as advertised to to be enough to help Michigan beat Penn State. But I just think. That same reasoning, new quarterback, maybe not having some of your top players return on offense and defense and traveling at Minnesota if they get their um, stud receiver back and you know they're just full of athletes anyway. I do see that as a tough win, and so not super confident that the that week one, which doesn't fall to October 24th, which is crazy still. Yeah, um, yeah not super confident that week one is a, is a sure thing. And then obviously – yeah, if you're going to add a loss to a schedule, whether it's one or four, Ohio State's almost always going to be uh, who you assume Michigan's going to lose to. And that's sad, but, you know, that's reality, I guess. It's best that we come to terms with it now rather than later. Uh, four and four is a very real possibility because it, Minnesota is a, um, you know, that's a, very real possible loss, as is Wisconsin, as is Penn State, as is Ohio State. If Michigan lost all four of those, as upset as we would be, I think we wouldn't have a right to be like, oh, we didn't see this coming. Four and four is definitely on the table. I'm with you, though, leaning more toward uh, kind of six and two on the high end, but thinking five and three is the most likely option. I don't see a win against Ohio State. I think. Uh, Penn State is 
probably a loss. And then take your pick between Wisconsin and Minnesota. I'm just kind of hoping they, they split on there. But we, we can revisit this, obviously, after week one. And then, like you said, um, you know, from week to week, it, it totally depends on, on, I mean, test results. And, you know, some players, I, I, I can imagine some players getting a few weeks into the season and, and saying, no, not worth it, and, and opting out. Uh, so things, you, just, you should expect things to change perhaps dramatically, but five and three, six and two seems like what we should be looking for here. Josh Gaddis uh, just gave, he spoke to media, gave some updates. Uh, so we just say like 40 minutes. I think it was, yeah. I all the okay. questions on the Zoom I mean, call, like, I think it was 40 minutes. Seems like good access for a college program. College programs are like notoriously closed off, you know, but um, can you, can you give us an update on, some of what he said. Yeah, I think first and foremost is to speak on the length of it. I mean, it's it's one thing for, you know, all those questions had to be allowed, uh, which I think is great. And I think that, um, I mean, props to the, the Michigan Athletic Department and specifically um, the, the football department for being willing to give that much access. Like you said, I think that that's what people like us and, you know, people who are at much higher levels than us um, in this industry need uh, and are, have been craving. And so, yeah, I, I think my overall takes is um, Josh Gaddis feels good about his offense. Um, he talked a lot about guys, you know, in year two and how that's an advantage. Um, now that is kind of hard to um, imagine when you think of the circumstances where they haven't seen any on-field time. I don't think it's until the 30th of September that they can use pads. And so it's kind of hard to, to think that some of these guys in year two, like Zach Charbonnet, um, for example, would be that much further along. But, you know, you've got to assume whether it's Zach Charbonnet or the, the work you've seen Joel Milton put in with Devin Gardner or back at home, uh, you got to assume that there are a lot of these guys um, taking their, you know, their conditioning very seriously and working out and, you know, throwing the football around all that. Um, but yeah, he seemed pretty hype. Uh, and I, and I think that the thing that stood out the most, um, when he talked about some of the incoming freshmen, or again, the guys going from year one to year two, or even some older guys becoming better leaders, uh, is he said that they've had a lot of time, uh, obviously via zoom, um, to, to focus on some of the, the fundamentals when it comes to watching tape or, or talking through situations, um, the things that, you maybe don't get a lot of when you're doing two a days and you're working out all morning and you're, you're practicing all afternoon. Um, they've had a lot of time to just sit and think and game, game plan, get to know each other. Um, they did some cool leadership stuff that he touched on. Um, and so I think based on the sounds and, and you can assume every program's done this, but based on the sounds, they've really found a way to take advantage of, you know, maturing during this process especially the young guys and and he feels like they're ready to play um what i liked is he he showed love to um you know all the players you would think and from giles jackson having just having his best practice to joe milton launching bombs and making wild plays to uh you know being more excited about this receiver group and its depth even compared to receiver rooms he's been in before and that includes alabama <laughs> so yeah yeah, I mean, he, he said a lot of positive things, and it's hard not to get hyped after 
hearing it, uh, but I guess you have to quickly be reminded that none of these guys have had pads. Injuries are probably going to happen. Guys may or may not play. There's still some big decisions looming like you've already touched on, but he sounds confident, and you know I think Josh Gaddis, from allowing you know 40 minutes of, of talking points to always being pretty uh, upfront, honest, and, and pretty spot on in any interview he's given, I remember him talking about you know things last year that ended up being true about guys like Giles Jackson, for example. Um, I know he had talked about how he was raw coming in and um, they weren't sure where they could actually use him because things were just coming along a little bit slower for him, but they wanted to get him out there. And then he even touched on it yesterday, uh, week five, like he just kind of took off and you couldn't keep him off the field. So he's always been pretty accurate with his predictions and, and how he feels at least uh, since he's been at Michigan for the year. So yeah, I mean, I, I give credit to him for giving all that time and feel like it, it gives you something to be excited about at the very least. Yeah, so, I mean, the biggest name we're waiting on is Nico Collins, and I know Josh Gaddis kind of uh, hinted at a decision coming sometime soon. I mean, it has to be soon. We're always looking at uh, pads coming on at the end of the month. And and like I said, the last time we talked about this, they, they are student athletes, so there's that whole school side of it too. Uh, Jalen Mayfield. Back with the team, still has to get cleared uh, to return to practice and, and competition. So waiting on that. Uh, Amber Thomas, last I saw, indicated that he wants to come back, but he's kind of like the rest of us, and he was honest in saying, like, I hear sometimes that it's possible, and I hear sometimes it isn't. Um, obviously a very unique season, and the NCAA hopefully will – come up with some kind of solution or or the Big Ten. I, I, I don't know if the Big Ten could, could supersede the NCAA in this situation, but hopefully there's some kind of blanket policy coming on the horizon, similar to what they've done with, like, you know, players not losing eligibility and, and stuff like that. It, it would be good to see for players like in the Big Ten and, you know, eventually maybe the MAC and the Pac-12 um, who made decisions because they had – a set of information and then that information changed and, you know, it seems like they should be able to change their decision if they want to. Yeah. But uh, as always, I mean, those things can change. That might not even be relevant by the time you listen to this. That's just the nature of the way it works right now. But um, I guess just, just keep paying attention. And, and like I said last week, don't overreact to anything because it's all changing anyway. So no point in getting all riled up about something. Uh, just give it time sit with it and uh, you'll probably come to a more rational thought. And I think that'll, that'll be good for all of us, especially on social media. Don't, don't go blow up on social media, please. For the love of God. <laughs> we'll, we will, uh, like we said earlier, keep coming back with uh, more consistent stuff. As long as the big 10 uh, keeps chugging along. We haven't had the president tweet about the big 10 in a while, but if he does something, you know, we'll be the first ones on top of that. <laughs> Might go live. Uh, might have to go live. Might have to go live for that one. Yeah, might have to go live. So keep your keep your ears to the street for that one. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Ty underscore Fenwick, and Derek is at Divine Identity. Thanks for listening. Go Blue. Go Blue.